0: Welcome to the heavenly banquet where the hungry are filled with good things and the rich are sent away empty. What are you hungry for? I'm hungry for righteousness and brunch. A lot of us are snowed in here on the East Coast and I wanted to bring you a word. Our reading this week is Luke chapter 4 verses 13 through 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to the widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. After Jesus reads from Isaiah, after Jesus reads his mission statement from Isaiah, he tells the people two things that make them angry, not just angry, but big mad, so mad even that they want to throw him off a cliff. I mean, the sermon review is in and it's not good, y'all. So why are the people so mad? This bit from Isaiah is exceedingly good news. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's exceedingly good news! It's exceedingly good news for the poor, who will have their debts erased. It's exceedingly good news for the captives who will be released. It's exceedingly good news for the blind, who will be healed. It's exceedingly good news for the oppressed, who will be freed. It's exceedingly good news for all of those folks and, what's more, Jesus says that those folks won't have to wait anymore, won't have to wait for the promises of God to one day be fulfilled. No, Jesus says that today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, not in some far-flung future that we might or might not see, but today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing And that is exceedingly good news for the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. But it is terrible, terrible news for our most everyone else, or at least a terrible, terrible responsibility for everyone else. Everyone who heard that proclamation read by Jesus in the synagogue and everyone who has ever heard or will ever hear that proclamation, including you, dear listener. Sorry, you're on the hook for this one too. I should have warned you. Because you see, this proclamation isn't a magic spell. Jesus doesn't read from Isaiah and suddenly all debts are erased and the prison doors are open wide and all maladies are cured and all oppression is dismantled. Jesus puts the responsibility, the fulfillment of his proclamation on the hearer. He says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, this proclamation may be Jesus's mission statement, but it's a mission he has charged to those who heard him and to those who hear him now. That's y'all. That's me. That's us. And so the big mad comes from the disappointment that Jesus isn't going to magically snap his fingers so that We all suddenly find ourselves in a just, equitable world where people are whole and happy and free. And the big mad comes from the realization that the responsibility for the world proclaimed by Jesus rests upon the hearer to fulfill. That makes the people big mad because it's not just work to be done, but it's power to be relinquished. It's privilege to be set aside. It's wealth to be lost. It's all of the things that some people enjoy at the expense of others. And those things might not be missed so much if Jesus had instantly transported everyone to paradise, but he demands here that the listeners do the work. And of course, that work starts with the recognition that they aren't the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. And that they might be the ones engaged in practices which keep the poor poor, or that they might be the ones benefiting from a broken criminal justice system and the prison industrial complex, or that they might be the ones profiting from the sick, staying sick, and never cured, or that they might be the ones enjoying their heightened status at the expense of those they've systematically oppressed. It's not just the world that will be changed, but they'll be changed too. The dawn of a just and equitable society would upend the world of the wealthy and the privileged as it offered stability, hope, flourishing, and life to the downtrodden. I mean, just think of what Jesus's jubilee would do to the stock market here. No more private prisons? No more health insurance companies, no more pharmaceutical advertisements, no more student loan administration, no more private security contractors for the CIA, no more policing as we know it. We have billion-dollar industries here, and Jesus expects us to dismantle them? Think of the economy, Jesus. It's enough to make you big mad. Jesus goes on to answer a question that no one asked, or maybe someone asked it, but requested that their name be struck from the biblical record. But at any rate, Jesus tells the people there why he won't be working miracles in his hometown. The reasoning seems to be at least twofold, that the people don't have faith or recognize Jesus and that God has a sort of history of sending prophets and miracle workers out to the edges to offer signs and hopes in unexpected places. Whether or not the people had an argument with Jesus's reasoning, we know they heard the part about how he wasn't gonna cure everyone in town, how there weren't appointments available, how the miracle clinic was closed. Now this, this made the folks big, big mad, so mad that they tried to push him off a cliff. That's mad. You see here, Jesus twice resists being used as a commodity. He reads the proclamation of his mission in Isaiah and tells the people that those promises are fulfilled in their hearing, that they are partners in his work, not just witnesses to it. And then he flat out tells them that he's not going to heal every single individual. And This points again to the first proclamation. He's telling them that he's not going to do it all, but that we, all of us who heard that proclamation, are expected to join him in that work. There's plenty to do, and changing the world will change you too. What Jesus is offering here is a chance to transform the world and be transformed by the work of creating that new world. Jesus is offering us an invitation to partner with God. You see, while Jesus wants to heal to make each of us whole, his message isn't primarily about encountering individual after individual, offering consultations and care. He does that, sure, but the heart of his proclamation is about Dismantling or reforming the larger systems that cause those injuries, that separate us from the love of God, that diminish us and keep us from loving one another. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, a jubilee, the erasing of debts, and a leveling of the socio political order. Jesus proclaims Jesus wants an end to all that harms us and keeps us from flourishing in God's love and from respecting and loving one another. Does Jesus feed folks? Yes. But Jesus preaches an end to hunger and systemic poverty. Does Jesus heal folks? Yes. But Jesus preaches about ending the systems that harm and abuse and He's often more concerned with restoring folks to society, with removing the shame and stigma from whatever malady they face than miraculous cures. Does Jesus forgive sins? Yes, but he preaches a world where there aren't any prisons, where sin no longer exists because we no longer cling to imagined notions of power as status and violence as might. Jesus wants to help you, wants to help me, and he will, he does, he has. But at his heart, he's a big picture guy, and that's the work he's called us to as well. And part of the issue here is that offering direct aid feels good to us in a way that working toward systemic change doesn't. Giving food to the hungry and caring for the sick and offering gifts to the poor literally produces a helper's high in us. Charity promotes the secretion of feel-good chemicals in the brain, like serotonin and dopamine, and it stimulates the mesolimic pathway, which is the reward center in the brain. It releases endorphins. And your brain, your body loves that helper's high and will motivate you to look for other people to help, other projects to join. And That's really good and pretty cool. But systemic change, the kind of change Jesus preaches, doesn't involve the same kind of work and doesn't give us the same immediately good feeling. We don't get a helper's high from calling our congressperson or visiting the courts or sitting on a county committee or meeting with a school board or even voting. But those are the tools we have that most readily shape this world, our society, into something that looks more and more like the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Christ proclaimed. That's the work that Jesus calls us to, because that's the work that Jesus undertook. He wasn't satisfied with only healing individuals. He wanted to transform the world, and he wanted to transform us by asking us to continue that work. So, yes, offer a cup of water to the thirsty, but make sure they're safe drinking water and feed the hungry and shelter the homeless, but investigate why hunger and homelessness prevail in your community. And comfort the afflicted, but advocate for access to mental health services and Give alms to the poor, but challenge the society where someone can work full time and still be poor and contribute to GoFundMes, but get involved, create some change so folks aren't threatened with bankruptcy because they're facing an illness. and So everyone can afford to bury their loved ones and so that justice in the courts doesn't have an exorbitant price tag keeping it out of reach out of reach of those who need it most yes do all of the direct interpersonal things but strive for more than that jesus came for more than that yes jesus wants to restore us all as individuals but he preaches the restoration of the social order of the ecology of the whole world and in baptism we committed to join him in that work too it's not always so much fun. It's not very easy, but we've been equipped to do it by the one who has sent us. Help your neighbor in need, but don't shy away from the task of reordering the world. You've been called to that. You've been blessed for that. And by the grace of God, you can do it. Amen. Thanks for joining us at The Heavenly Banquet. You can find us on heavenlybanquet.com and on Facebook and Instagram. Like, follow, subscribe, review, please do all the things that get us better connected and that help other people find us, please. We plan to launch on March 2nd, that's Ash Wednesday, and we hope to host you then if you're hungry for good things.